All right. My name's Paul. I've got autism and I make random videos about my version of autism and I stick them up on the internet just in case anyone wants to watch them. Now, before I even begin, I've got to put my glasses on. There we go. God, I can see. <laughs> the reason I've got to put my glasses on, and I never usually wear them because you see the glare, like I can see the glare um, off screens, but uh, the reason I've got to wear them is because I have a splitting headache, and when I get a headache, I can't see very well, which is probably a medical condition that I should get checked out, but here we are. <laughs> Um, it's, it's very hot. It's 29.9 degrees in the man cave right now. And oh, something just changed on there, but I don't know what it was. Um, anyway, Oof, beard itch going on then. Um, yeah, it's just hot. It's been hot in England, which is rare. You know, if it is hot in England, it's usually hot for about three days a year, you know? And I've just had 32 degree heat for nine days straight, which is unheard of. It's barbaric. I'm sweating out. My glasses, I can feel them slowly just sliding down my nose because I just create instant clammy sweatiness, which is horrible. I just, honestly, I hate the heat. I don't like breathing in warm air. If I'm on holiday, I'm either in a shade, the sea or the pool. I don't lie in the sun. I've got no aspirations to be a baked potato. So why would I want to lie in the sun and get cooked? It makes no sense to me. You know, I don't like wearing shades when I'm driving, but I have to. Or, oh, I don't know, I'll crash. Um, I just really don't like it. And the coldest it's been is 17 degrees in these nine days. And that was at 4 a.m. one night. Now, I have a problem. <laughs> I've got lots of problems, but the problem I've got in this instance is I can't sleep with the window open. I just think Spider-Man's going to swoop in and start beating me up. Um, you know, I just, I don't know, I just, I just can't sleep with the window open. I don't like it. So even if the window is open and I can get a little bit of a cool breeze coming in, even though it's not been windier, than two miles an hour either. This has been horrible. Um, you know, I'll have the window open all day, all night until bed, then I close it and then it's instant sweat again. It's just horrid, honestly, you know, and houses in England don't come as standard with air conditioning in. And air conditioning isn't really anything outside of commercial units. You know, it's very, very rare if you go to a house and it's got air conditioning. Um, at best, it might have a portable air conditioning unit. But from what I'm aware of, because I've done a little bit of digging because I'm too hot, is there's two types. So one type is you fill it with ice cubes and let it do its thing, which the ice will melt instantly, so I don't know where the cooling's going to come from. Um, and plus, the noise level is quite high. And the other one is you have to attach a hose Feed the hose out of an open window, which I can't deal with, um, you know, and which is going to then allow it to have cool air blowing in the room to then expel the hot air. But 
if the window's open, I can't sleep. And if the window's open, it's going to get all the cold air out as well. So, and they're noisy. So I can't even have a portable air conditioner. I've got to have a fixed one, which guess what? Cost the most. So I'm stuck. You know, these nine days, if I've had 20 hours sleep across nine days, I'm being very, very, very generous because I am very tired. I'm having multiple coffees a day, banging headache, eyesight's going a bit. It's really not nice. I hate the heat, but I think I've made that perfectly clear. I am honestly wishing my life away to get to winter. I adore the winter. You know, I know a lot of people get seasonal affective disorder um, in the in the in the winter, you know, the the sun has gone, the nights are dark, it's cold, it's raining. Ugh. But for me, I get seasonal affective disorder now when it's sunny, when it's never dark. It's like I've got the opposite effect. Because honestly, I've I've got the visions now, you know, of oh, I can visualize it. I'll have my thick socks on, I'll be in fresh pajamas after a shower, I'll have my dressing gown on, house coat for everyone else. Uh, and I'll have a cup of warm tea and I'll be looking out the window and the rain will be hammering down in the night underneath the street lights just hitting the floor and I can hear the wind but I'm nice and warm that to me is everything you know that's where I recharge it feels phenomenal and I can't wait I honestly cannot wait for that day to come when the winter's here but unfortunately, I've got to put up with the sun. I've got to put up with Chavs blasting the music out. I've got to put up with Chavs not wearing a T-shirt. You know, and they're there with the tin ribs because they weigh six stone. Like, that hard. You know, I've had bigger toothpicks. But anyway, that's the weather out the way. Uh, another thing that's bothering me because I'm a grumpy goose because of the heat, so I might as well continue my trend of sulking, is the dentist. So I went, I had a filling and another filling, and then this filling doesn't work because if I eat on it, it hurts a lot. So I just got to take it out, pack it, and put it back in again. And on this side, I am now sensitive to temperature, and if I apply pressure to the tooth, it hurts. So the two teeth that I had done that I never, ever, ever felt pain on, I now feel pain in and need continued work. Now, forgive me for thinking this dentist isn't very good, especially when I've paid a fortune for this work as well. Um, I just think he's a, a random guy putting a bit of polyfiller on my teeth. So I'm a bit annoyed about that as well. Um, so once he's fixed his issues for free, because I've already paid for it, uh, I'm going to have to find another dentist because I can't use NHS dentist. Uh, for those of you in England, because they only give 10 minutes appointments, 10 minute appointments where I live. And the person who is the dentist in my local place doesn't care about your autism. She just doesn't care. And if you need a longer appointment than 10 minutes, she's not interested, which I know is her fault. She has to abide, but, but she's just this old, grumpy Scottish woman. And she's a really good dentist. But a bedside manner is revolting, <laughs> to say the least. So, yeah, I've got to go private, which is horrible because I'm working 
to compensate my autism. Um, and I've also today just had to pay £339.98 for my air conditioning to be fixed again. Because I'd already paid 156 quid to get it fixed, but they just regassed it. But then there's also an issue with the seals. The seals needed fixing for 188 quid. Uh, it, the car needed a diagnostic running on it, which was 95 quid. And there was water in the brakes, which was 45 quid. It's just, I'm working to pay for a car that I have to go to work in. Endless cycle. And then the little bit of money I do get left after paying a mortgage goes towards saving to then pay for dentist trips because I can't go to the NHS. It's not good being artistic sometimes, I'm telling you. Anyway, speaking of being artistic, um, there's been some things that I've been doing a lot of thinking recently because I've not been able to spend time at the computer. I've not been able to spend time doing my normal hobbies because of the heat. So I've been lying on floors in just my boxer shorts, surrounded by fans, just trying to keep my core temperature down so I don't combust. And I've just been doing a lot of thinking about happiness and you know your self-worth and what you're willing to accept and i don't know what this video is going to be about i think it's going to be more about the the self-worth because the happiness one i want to save all by itself because there's a an email based uh off what triggered that um, and i want to talk to you about that one in a bit more depth but i've never been very supportive of me I've never really I've never really given myself top marks. I've never, you know, like if I if I was the tutor marking the test, which is me, I'd give myself maybe a D at best. Not a D like that. Get that out of your mind. The grade D, you dirty people. Um Yeah, I just give myself that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be giving myself a C, a B. I'd never give myself an A. You know, I don't know why all these letters are making it sound rude, but I should have found a different analogy, I think. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have graded myself the best. I wouldn't have said I was the worst, but I would never have given myself props. You know, I would never have been interested in making sure that I was all right, making sure that I'm important, making sure that that my mindset, my outcome is just, I would never have thought or given myself credit that my, out, my outcome needs to be just as important as somebody else's. You know, and I know there's a big argument going on in the world now about, you know, people who say, you know, equality of opportunity is what's needed, not equality of outcome. And I fully, fully support that. Um, but, you know, my, I just, didn't have self-worth. I didn't think I was important. I didn't think that my... One of the things I've tried to do as I've done these videos is slow down how I speak. And every now and again, I get the voice in the back of my mind going, Paul, you're talking too quick. Slow down, which it just did then, which is why I paused. And the reason for that is I never felt important enough to have my voice heard. And I don't know where it, why that was the case. I just always thought people were better than me, like they were more impressive than I was. 
Um, because I don't know, it, it could even be the smallest things. They smelt better than I did. They went to hairdressers to have their hair cut. I didn't. My mum did mine at home, you know. And people could go on holiday. We couldn't afford to go on holiday. Some families would go out for meals. I didn't go for a meal until I was a you know a teenager, I think. Uh, so I just didn't have this self-worth because I'd built all these walls around me of not believing I was any good or not worthy of anything. And I've started making a lot of changes this year. This isn't like, you know, oh, yeah, and then when I hit like 20, I realized I was great. No, this is this year. <laughs> and I'm having all these uh, revelations. You know, and I get emails from people who are like 24 and they're like, oh, I've only just been diagnosed with autism. It's turned my life upside down. It's like, mate, you haven't even had a life yet. Enjoy yourself, you know, go crazy. You shouldn't be at your sort of steady in destination when you're 24. You've still got a lot of learning to do and enjoy life a bit more before you've got to get bogged down with a mortgage and all that rubbish. So, but I, I don't know, I just never felt, I never felt important to me. And that's the important bit. I didn't give me any importance. But then when you sort of step out of it and you look from the outside in, you go, all right, all right, Paul, so you're not important. You know, do your family care about you? Yeah, they do, yeah. All right. Have you got any friends at all? Uh, yeah, not, not loads, but I've got a couple. It's like, all right, well, you know, that's more than none. Do they like you? It's not, well, I, I guess so, otherwise they wouldn't be around. You know, is there anyone who wants to spend time with you? Are you employed? Do you, there'll always be something, you know, to pin your hat on, to put yourself on. and. I've sort of realized that the reason I've got such a, a different work ethic than everyone else I work with is because I never felt worthy of being in the same room or the same conversation of the people I work with. Now, they've done this longer than I have. They, they're great. I'm just this guy who they look at and go, what's he doing? You know, send him out, <laughs> get, get him to do something so he goes away. And I always used to think like that. And then it's only recently that, and it's crazy because the most profound things for me are always really obvious or they're always real. They're said by normal people. You know, this isn't when someone goes, oh, well, Socrates said, and oh, if what Plato would have said. No, I've got ones where I go, you know, my mate Craig said, my mate Baz said. Because the most profound things come from everyday life for me. I'm a humble guy and I like humble things. You know, so when I was writing music, or actually I'd stopped even playing guitar full stop, and then my friend Craig started writing music again. He was sending me sound bites, and I was saying, I like it. What genre is that? And he's like, Craig's genre. I'm not writing for any genre anymore. I'm doing it for me. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, like he just, you know, deciphered the Da Vinci Code or something. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, so I picked the guitar up and I started writing music for me. And this is the first time ever I've actually enjoyed any song I've ever written. Um, because I write songs that I'd like to listen to that, 
you know, it doesn't, the music, the singing doesn't mean much to me. It's the strength of the words in a song. That's why when you get, you know, these mumbling rappers who just shout Gucci gang all the way through a song and people wonder why I don't like it, it's because that means nothing to me. Um, and then, you know, my mate Baz sort of gave me my, <laughs> my compass on judging people, you know, um, because I'd worked a shift. I'd gone back to where we were living. He asked who, who was on a shift with, and I told him. And then I said, oh, and I was on with this guy. And I said, yeah, he's a bit of an idiot. And Baz went, is he? No, he's never, he's never done anything to bother me. And for some reason, it was like, oh, yeah, he actually hasn't done anything to bother me either. You know, and I realized I was just piggybacking and jumping on um, you know, trends of thoughts that other people had about other people because I was so busy trying to blend in that I'd lost my free will of thought. And <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, this guy's never done anything to wrong me either. And he hadn't. And from forever since that day, my judgments are based off how you treat me. And that has kind of come full circle to what's going on now in work. So when I spoke to a guy I work with, we had this conversation, I think I mentioned it to you, but we had, I had this conversation with him where he had, like I was involved in 16 meetings, he was involved in one. Um, I have to answer 75 emails every two days, he hasn't answered 75 emails in a year. And I thought, you know, just that first glance of my workload versus his workload, I just went lazy. <laughs> But then I stopped after my instant judgment um, and I picked it apart. And I was like, well, why am I in 16 meetings and he's in one? And his meeting is in his area. It's about the work he's done. And it's about a building that he has the safety consideration for. Not directly, but, you know, if you find something wrong, you've got to stay involved. So he was absolutely doing that. I don't know, and I said, how many emails do you get? And we seem to get around about the same amount of emails, but he just doesn't respond to them because he says, unless that email is absolutely for me because no one else in their management chain can find an answer or fix it, I'm not responding. You know, I'll, I'll respond to it when, it's, when it hits all in markers, but outside of that, I'm not responding because there's a chain of command. They should follow it. You know, if they're asking, a, say, for example, housing or an office question, then they need to go to the right people. If they're looking for fabric of property or something, they need to come, you know, need to go to the property department. If they're looking for uh, records, your PPM records, shouldn't come to me either. There's a department for that. And he was right. So there's me burning myself out because I'm trying to do everything. And he's just going, no, I'm doing nothing but. So it's like chalk and cheese, but he's not stressed. And I am. So when I'm lying there on the floor in just my boxer shorts, 32 degree heat, surrounded by fans, crying because it's so hot. Just been doing a lot of thinking. And what I was doing was I was kind of telling myself, you have to be more like him than like you because he's not wrong. You know, it might get him a bad reputation in a, in a way, but I kind of need to meet me and him in the middle. 
That's who I need to become. And then something happened in the week which helped uh, make a decision for me. So I realized that one of the things I do now is I basically will meet someone in work or whatever it is, and I'll go, hiya, my name's Paul. You all right? <laughs> and I will give them rope and say, there you go. You can use that to hang yourself or not. Obviously, um, not, not really. I don't really give them rope. I'm not a nutcase. You know, proverbial, I, that's what I do. Um, and something's happened now in work where someone has hung themselves off the rope I gave them. So I've been heavily involved in, it's really difficult to tell you, but basically let's break it down into an alphabet. I'll use letters again and try and avoid the mistake I made a minute ago. But I am person A. My work is at person A's position. Then when I find something wrong, it goes to person B or it goes to person C for remedy, for rectification. Now, I stay involved. So once it's gone from A to B, I stay involved with B, even though I shouldn't because I'm the only person who does in the company that does. And I do it because I've got the experience to do it. Um, and then person B's job, he has to talk to a lot of contractors and I've then become involved in meetings with contractors with person B to talk about the concerns I identify. And that's usually not the way you do it. You know, in, when everybody's competent in these positions, person A finds what's wrong, sends it to person B, person C, and that's the last you ever have involvement with it. But unfortunately, person B that I deal with is not competent to do the job. And that's why I offered my assistance. Um, because they should be going out, scoping these buildings with a contractor to ensure costs stay low. But he doesn't know anything about buildings, so he can't, which is really redundant. But then the contractor I'd been involved with had sent an, an email to person B saying something derogatory about me. And I didn't get angry. I got like, what? You know, I had the initial bother, but then I realized that I was doing a lot more than I should. And now I'm not anymore. And I sent an email to person B copying in this contractor saying, due to the reference of, and copied what he said, um, I am no longer um, going to assist with this, in discussions with any contractor at all. They are third-party accredited. We need the, uh, you know, the quality assurance. So, you know, they are third-party accredited. They are competent to create specifications of work. Do not come to me again. You know, if this was internal, I'd have raised a grievance. However, it's external, therefore I'll ignore it. And I felt great for doing that because... I know my self-worth now. You know, I still struggle with everything on a daily basis. I know what I have to struggle with with the autism. I know I have to do a hell of a lot more to get up and get out of bed and get on the road than a lot of other people do. You know, the battles you have with yourself, they just become second nature, but they wear you out. But I've helped more than I needed to, and someone has now ruined that. But I've now got the evidence to say why I'm not doing it anymore. 
And person B emailed me back going, oh, I'm sorry for that. Uh, however, you know, we need to maintain a good working relationship. And I said, no, no, you can come to me and ask me for further clarification. You can come to me and offer alternative arrangements. That's it. And I'm always happy to do that. But as for discussions with contractors, that is now dead in the water. You know, and I know he's gone off sulking and he can go and tell his boss, he can go and tell whoever. But the bottom line is, if you were to look at my job description, it doesn't involve anything what I've been doing, which has been taking up a lot of my time. So now I'm removed and it's all about self-worth. And I'm not willing to be referenced the way I was referenced. I wouldn't be spoken to like that anyway in, in my personal life. So why will I accept it in a workplace? I'm there doing that job to get paid to live my life. I'm not there to be spoken to like an idiot or referenced as some sort of idiot, especially by someone who in the actual reference was wrong. So yeah, I've kind of sat back, that patted myself on the back for going, well done, Paul, you stood up for yourself. Well done. You know your self-worth and your self-worth is to not be referenced like that, not be spoken to like that, you know, not to continue now doing more than you should to help someone who isn't qualified to do their job just because you feel bad for them just because you've got the experience. No. If this guy who's not um, competent to do his job now starts to falter, that's not my fault. That's his fault and his boss's fault and his boss's boss's fault because none of them have got the qualification they need to do that section of work. And instead of going, we really do, let's get on it, they just don't. They just get on. They just, oh, let's carry on. Uh, let's hope for the best. So that's going to fall down like a house of cards, which, again, not my fault. You know, so I've, it, it's interesting because it was kind of one of the first times in my life, I can probably count on one hand how many times where I felt good for looking out for me without having that overriding guilt that, Oh, yeah, but uh, I should do that for that person. Uh. And I haven't got one lick of that at the minute. You know, I remember when I was up in Edinburgh and I was working all the hours God sends, doing all the shifts my friend didn't want to do. And I didn't take that sick note because I was so, obviously I was ridiculously stressed and didn't realize it, but I was so bothered it, was, it would affect his bottom line. You know, and when I sort of, step away from it all these years later ago, hang on a minute, I know he got a £17,000 bonus that year because the park did so well. But I work the shifts where it makes the difference. And do you know how much he gave me? Nothing at all. And all I did was put myself through the ringer and become ill, thinking of him. And he didn't even say thank you. you know, and crazily enough, I'll still talk to this guy, but he's got to message me. You know, I won't go out my way to talk to him unless he wholeheartedly apologized for, you know, doing what he did because, you know, it was, it was well over 10 years ago now. And that was his first park. He's been doing that job ever since, whereas I've moved on and up. I, I've, I've done all right when I started looking out for me. But it's very important that your self-worth is, you know, means a lot to you because, as I said, when you're artistic, you have a lot to deal with anyway by default. 
just to get up, get dressed, leave the house. The temperature of your shower, the way you've got to cut your food up and eat it, the time you can go shopping, the routes you have to walk in the street, you know, your OCD routines that you might have. We already do enough to then do everything for everyone else as well. You know, we need to make sure we can find our line and draw it. We need to know where to step back and go, it's my time now. I need to look out for me. I am important too. You know, and I know I'm not the only one who's like this. And that's why I kind of wanted to try and do a video on it. And I've probably done it wrong because I've got a banging headache. Even though I've got my glasses on, I still can't even see the lens of the camera. That's how bad it is. But uh, I just hope I've sort of made that point. You know, just if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, overworked or overpressured to do things, take a step back, be in your own company and just ask yourself how important you are to you. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to be full too. So to get that, what do you need? And if you need to alleviate some of this stress and get rid of some of this work and some of these responsibilities people are wanting you to do, then if you can do it with common sense and pragmatism, then do it because you are important too. I'm important. And I've got to keep being able to tell myself that to stop myself getting in the positions that I keep ending up in all over again. But for now, today, right now, as I talk to you, I'm important. And I want you to be able to say the same thing when you look at yourself in the mirror. Anyway, thanks for watching. And until next time, keep smiling.